What should you be reading? We answer that question and more this week on Only Stupid Answers. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. This is the show where we answer your questions about movies, TV shows, comic books, books, book books, and much more. Uh, I'm your host, DJ Wildridge. With me, as always, is Roxy Stryer. Hi, Roxy. I actually, for the first time in a very long time, am a consider myself to be a book reader. It light a book a book reader light a light a light book reader. I've been listening to audiobooks. I don't know. If it That's a huge improvement from okay, last okay. time. I feel yeah. like last time I was trying to get you into them. I'm going to ask you all about it. We'll get there. I'm excited. Wait, Wait who's so. that other voice? It's Maude from Maude's oh, Book Club. Who else are we going to talk about books with? Are you crazy? Hi. You said books. I spoke straight away. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Books are good. We just mentioned books and she appeared. And mm. she appeared. Uh, Maude, for the people that haven't been listening to this show, who are you? <laughs> Hello, I'm Maude. The, name, the name's Maude. Yeah. Uh, I am an Australian entertainment host living in LA, and I cover a lot of film, TV, and video games, and a lot of things that fall under geek culture. But I also run a book club called Maud's Book Club, which talks about science fiction and fantasy books usually. So we get to nerd out about those. And I am encouraging people to, well, literally, let's read more books. Love it. Let's read, so let's read more books. I'm going to buy that mug. I'm a walking advertisement or sitting advertisement right now. Yeah. Let's read more books. Let's read more books. And Maude, I'm going to key on one specific thing. We're going to talk about more about books. We're, there's going to be links to Maude's uh, book club in the description. So please check that out. But you obviously mentioned that you're from Australia. I yes. just watched the movie Talk to Me, a new A24 horror film that yeah. I didn't know going in was set in Australia. And Maude, have either. you seen it? I don't watch horror. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, that tells me there was a there was a question that we're going to ask you from the Discord that I was like, I wonder if this is ironic, and you just informed me that it is an ironic question. Um, cool. So uh, uh, so anyway, um, uh, it's a really good horror movie from A twenty four. So if you're into that sort of thing, recommend it. But it's set in Australia, and they're dry, There's two characters driving on a road, and they and they run across roadkill. So my cool. American brain thought, yeah. dear raccoon, and it is a kangaroo, and it was just yeah. one of those like that's insane to me. <laughs> Yeah, that it. Yeah, I've seen dead yeah. news. It's just it's why, sad. It feels like Australia is like God's petri dish, like just fucking around. <laughs> what crazy things can we come up with? <laughs> I feel like Hawaii is God's petri dish right now. Everywhere seems to be the petri dish, where it's just like they mess around and find out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Australia's hit that hard too, though. No, but I'm just talking about fun creatures. Like hey, I'm trying to keep it fun, Roxy. I'm talking about kangaroos. Yeah, <laughs> and but you said, dead, you said dead kangaroos. Well, because yeah. it was hit by a car. It was hit by a car. Well, and I'm just it, saying, how fun are you keeping it, DJ? Yeah, I'm just saying. But it's just funny that, that kangaroo had a life. Yeah, don't come at me. But it's just funny that your roadkill rodents are giant six foot monsters that hop around. That's crazy to me. (laughs) For any Aussies that don't know this, if you do see roadkill, especially a marsupial, make Mm -hmm. sure you check its pouch because it may have like a little joey in it. That's happened before. Wait, with your hands, Maude? You really have to poke poke and see if there's anything in the pouch because they could be carrying young and then the young would die. Uh, but there's a video that went viral of like, it was, I think it was a kangaroo and there was a joey in the pouch. 
But the woman saved it. This is the dumbest question ever, but it's not um, like here. They don't, it's not like rabies situation. You can just go and poke around. I think that is a good question, mm. Roxy. Well, the the, the animal, the carcass is dead. Uh, so I don't think that's going to bite you. Yeah, I will which say. Is how rabies is given, I think. Yeah, but, well, not necessarily. Uh-huh. I, I, was, I was scratched by a stray cat recently. And so I was like, Did, how big ooh. a deal could that be? And I looked up rabies like, oh, a very big deal. <laughs> very big, scary deal. I got stung by a bee. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, my butt is so sore. I got stung yeah. on the butt. Um, and I was like, and you got oh, rabies from the bee. You got bee, ra- bee rabies. Well, I was just like, kind of looking at like, how can I make this sting less? It's really hurting me. Like, yeah. what's going on? And then there's like this thing going, hey, have you been a tetanus shot lately? Maybe get one. And you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm a bee. Yeah. You know what I do when I've been bit? I don't know if it's the same thing as being stung, but do you have any of those pimple patches? I don't work on it because it extract, extracts it, it. It does help. Yeah, it extracts, Damn. and if you get it on within a couple of hours, it sucks whatever venom. The venom. Yeah. Wow, that's brilliant. Thank you. I'm very smart. You know what I did instead as an Australian? I went to a bar and I drank beer. Mm-hmm. No, that's a better option, obviously. It was a happy hour, and I was like, well. Yeah, for sure. So it's well, happy. <laughs> in, the, in the movie, there was a debate about whether they should try and put the kangaroo out of its misery, and my thought was, you're in Australia, just wait 10 minutes, and the biggest snake you've ever seen will come and eat it. <laughs> Okay, as an Australian, I find that offensive. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to be so bad. Oh, it seems like the coolest Australia planet. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah. I don't get. I feel like, I feel like in life, like I've got like a plus five nature check because it's like <laughs> I grew up with so many um, deadly and poisonous sort of animals. Mm-hmm. So that's a cool skill set to have. I just wish you know, like I wish that Americans they're so scared. Of the animals that kill you in Australia, I'm scared of a dude with a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to talk about real fear, that's the fear I face in America every day. So yeah, 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 yeah. I'd take an animal any day. I have tracks. I'm with that. I understand. I understand that. The Strong last thing I'm going to say in the country now <laughs> is I love watching. Um, when you watch like Australia uh, entertainment set in Australia and then entertainment set in New Zealand, and just the diff- the vast difference of what bush means. When yes. they say bush, you're like, well, that's a completely different environment in those two places. Yeah. Bushland in Australia. I mean, watch Wolf Creek. Uh, yeah. Bushland in New Zealand. Watch the Hunt for the wilder people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, just very different. Anyway, uh, fun Australia talk. Um, but uh, before we talk about the other things we're going to talk about today, of course, if you want to watch the show live, if you want to listen to it ad free, if you want to check out Patreon exclusive shows like Roxy Mine's Q and A or this show I do with Sal called Spiderversity, you can do that over at Patreon.com/slash/OnlyStupidAnswers. It should be when this is coming out next Wednesday. Sal and I are also doing an episode of Mutant Academy live on YouTube.com/slash/OnlyStupidAnswers. So check that out. We're going to be talking about First Class. We had a little. Uh, dip in the quality of our X movies. Now we're going back up. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, every week, you please give us a five star review on iTunes. We appreciate it. It's very helpful. Also, every week on Spotify, if you listen on Spotify, we ask a question every week. Last week's question was Do you think the US has recovered aliens? And Xavier Thomas said, I think the question is, what's more scary, aliens having advanced war technology or us? And I think the answer to that is it depends on the aliens. If the aliens are like us, than the aliens because they got here, they would be much more advanced. <laughs> I have a theory on that. What's your theory, Rock or uh, Mod? Well, if the aliens are already over here, yeah. it means that they have um, 
advanced sort of resources and retcon. They're, they're researching, right? They're researching yeah. all of the different worlds. And you'd hope that by learning all of this stuff that they are trying to generate peace more, that you it's hope. not as combative and they're not sort of like taking over. They're looking at all this destruction and instead of being like, we want to take over how this, this shithole, it's mm-hmm. like we want to make things a little bit better. Yeah. So the aliens are going to try and rescue us from ourselves. That would be great. Uh, and While also- I'm at it, AI, go robots, just in case. Just, just cover your bases in case the AI takes over. Yeah, it's uh, if they are like us, but have the technology to get here, uh, we're fucked. That's the, that's the <laughs> long we're fucked. Um, the closest that DJ and I have in the 10 years that we've been working to with each other, the closest that we have gotten to a fight was last week talking about aliens. The aliens divided us. Alien, Where? What's, alien. what's the different stances? What If you had to guess, Maude. I'm curious what uh, your guess would be. Uh, the nihilism of DJ with the hopefulness <laughs> of Roxy? <laughs> it was more like, I believe UAPs exist and DJ does not. Well, <laughs> but again, and, and I think they you do. and I would agree on this, is there they are un- people see things that they don't know. We can agree nah. that's an unknown, UAP unknown. I just don't how, think the U.S. is sitting on. How dived into it? Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, I don't think the they U- have U.S. is sitting. classified a bunch of information. We're, and we're, that's why I said to him, I said, you got to keep digging, DJ. They've declassified. And they did it around the pandemic. So it's like everyone's freaking out about, you know, whether they're going to get COVID and die. I'm not going to. And then they're I'm, like, by the way, on the deal, we're just going to declassify I'm not, a bunch of information Oh, my God. Are we going to get into another Sorry, fight? DJ. Sorry. Sorry. We don't have uh, to Christian, Christian was like, if you watch all five episodes of that UFO show, I'll have you on your the UFO, UFO show. And it's like, yeah, but see, the show's being – I can't – Anyway, it's there's obvious misinformation going on in the show, which is frustrating. Anyway, um, never mind. That's great. Awesome. <laughs> this, this, we're not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna get okay. sucked in. Um, um, we're, we're gonna go over to news because in news we have that the Marvel VFX artists have voted to unionize under Yahtzee. And of course, this is a huge deal because if you follow entertainment like our show, uh, you know that. It's not been great for VFR, VFX artists pretty much ever, um, but especially in the Marvel era. Not great for them. Uh, not great working conditions. And so uh, the, the hope would be and the goal would be that by unionizing under Yahtzee that they will have better working conditions. Um, Mark Patch, and this is from Variety, Mark Patch, uh, who's the VFX order, organizer to Yahtzee, said in a press release, a supermajority of Marvel's more than 50 worker crew had signed authorization cards uh, indicating they wish to be represented by the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. For almost half a century, workers in the visual effects industry have been denied the same protections and benefits their co-workers and crewmates have relied upon since the beginning of the Hollywood film industry. This is a historic first step for VFX workers coming together with a collective voice demanding respect for the work we do. Um, and Yahtzee represents more than 168,000 technicians, artisans, and craftspersons working in movie and TV. And I, and I do think this is amazing. Uh, this is really cool. It, it, Yahtzee covers a lot. Like when you talk to people in different, they're like, I'm also covered by Yahtzee. And it's like, it's a bum. I wish our labor, labor in this country, uh, we respected labor enough that like, the blanket, the Yahtzee blanket wasn't so broad. I wish these different different groups had more specific representation because the needs of, of uh, uh, like a production designer aren't necessarily the needs of a VFX artist. But this is a great first step. 
It's better yeah. representation. Some representation is better than none. <laughs> it's definitely true, DJ. I mean, we're, we're seeing that in SAG for sure, right? With 160,000 members. Yeah. It's like even SAG doesn't all have the same um, wants and needs. So I yeah. obviously when you are working completely different gigs, yeah. but it is definitely a good first step because I think a lot of people we've talked about uh, on this show, DJ, it's come up many times. The VFX are the VF. The, the VFX artists, the VX yeah. art, they are, um, the words are hard today. You know, sometimes they are. The mm -hmm. artists that are working their butts off that are trying so hard uh, to do the best job that they can, having no turnaround times is like unacceptable. The yeah. fact that you, um, for anybody who doesn't know about turnaround times, right? That means you can work all night long and have to be at work in two hours as opposed yeah. to the unions that represent um, both the WGA and SAG and IATSE who have all placed in, in which is uh, so important, mandatory term turnaround time so that you are sleeping human so that you're somebody that can actually get some rest. Same thing with pay for hours. Like they're just not getting paid for the amount of hours they're working. That should be really illegal. You yeah. shouldn't have to unionize in order to get paid mm -hmm. for the amount of hours you work, but you do, you do yeah. have to do that because otherwise you have no leverage. So the things that they're asking for, the things that they're fighting for are really truly basic needs. Yeah. Um, it's getting paid for the amount of hours they're working. It's not working so many hours that they're getting into these massive car accidents on their way home, which is, mm -hmm a really common mm. problem in their yeah. industry um and and several other things that are like unlivable conditions for these artists yeah yeah i think most people forget via uh the visual effects always happens <laughs> at the end so it's like once you've shot the whole movie that's the end process the finishing touches and when they need more time the deadline's already been set Yep. So instead of extending a deadline to fit in what the VFX needs are, they then have to just make more hours. And so well, if there's any sort of changes or if the director wants to do something different, whatever it is, the, the deadline doesn't change, but the, the workload increases. Yeah. And I have, you know, in my community, we've got VFX artists and like listening to the conditions that they're under where it's just like, I just have to pull doubles. And I, yeah, same sort of thing. I don't get paid overtime mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm doing like 70 hours a week when I'm supposed to be doing 30 and I'm not, I'm not getting recuperated for that sort of time. I'm just expected to do the job. And so yeah. I understand why they would want to unionize, especially you guys heard what happened for the Into the Spider-Verse, the second movie, yeah, yeah, where yeah. they like made massive changes in the script. And so the animators had to like redo like the last part of the movie or something like that. Yeah, the whole, and they, redo whole scenes from scratch and stuff like that. And they complained. And Amy Pascal, who's like the head of Sony and like who ran the studio for all of this, said, well, that's showbiz, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And which is funny because that's not showbiz for her. <laughs> that's not no, how her job she's works. she's not pulling those hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting too, like, um, yeah, and especially as VFX become, um, like at a certain point, you know, you're watching some Marvel movies and it's like, Above Kevin Feige's name should be the VFX studio. Like that—that's they're that responsible for what I'm seeing on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, they should be getting more credit for their involvement, and in, they've become more vital to this stuff. Yeah. Um, so go right. for it. Good. I, I it'd be great. Hopefully that this leads to maybe VFX workers or animators getting specific unions for that cover their specific needs. Um, but you know, you're right, Roxy, in that like in a perfect world. You wouldn't need this stuff. You would just get paid for the work you do. But we, that's not the world we live in. And they'll they'll squeeze every drop out of us if we let them. <laughs> I remember 
when you and I were talking about this, DJ, um, specifically about the Spider-Verse debacle that Ma just mentioned um, with Lord Miller and people saying that they were asking for way too much. Yeah. I remember, DJ, you and I obviously both agreed on there being a problem, but disagreed on where that problem was stemming from. Yeah. And I think that um, you rightfully so were just like, this is ridiculous. They can't ask for these things. And I remember thinking or saying on the show, you know, it's not Lord and Miller that I find fault with, although treat your employees well, obviously, yeah. but it's the whole system. So it's yeah. not like I'm pegging this on them because they're asking for things that are reasonable, that not are reasonable. They're asking for things that are within their right at this time to ask for. Would mm -hmm. I do that? No. But is that what's laid out contractually for them? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so the, at the time, I know that you and I both were like, something has to change. And clearly, uh, everybody else agreed. And I don't think it's just going to stop at the Marvel VFX artists. I think yeah. it's going to go all, they're going to see what happens here. And then everybody is going to want fair rules and regulations. So this, I think this is just the start of something big. Yeah. Absolutely. What were you going to say, Mom? We see the trickle-down effect already. So the writers are striking. Now the actors are striking. So what's going to happen? There's going to be more reality television. There's going to be more animation. Ooh. And now they're saying reality TV people are getting so exploited if you're signing up to be a contestant on there. Um, there's a lawsuit going on with Lovers Blind about the exploitation where they were on set for like 20 hours. They were fed so much liquor and not enough food and they were making like $7.17 an hour for their time. And then like, you know, the detrimental effects of um emotional manipulation to get a good story and then how if they were villainized that's affected their livelihood afterwards and so yeah. like they, you know they got the roar into the deal and i think it's beth bethany i don't do real housewives very well but i think she's one of them she's basically saying that um reality television is a complete sham in terms of manipulating and exploiting the average person who's on it and then yeah. the animation side of things it's exactly the same when you push a lot of production when all right we don't have actors we don't have writers we're going to do like these animated shows um the animators are in overtime and now it's like well we don't have a good system in place for when our work in flux triples like now we yeah. need help um and i've been hearing things like with voice actors same sort of thing um ai is affecting voice actors and they are using ai to edit compilations now they're using yeah. ai to um mimic the voices of the characters and so with this trickle down effect it's like we're seeing it's not just coming up from here but any single time you try to correct course and be like okay we can't do that so we'll do this that's also a problem area so yeah. okay so mark just to confirm when it is ai versus aliens your team ai but ai versus humans we're still with the humans well, I mean, the different AI, there's like AI, which is like, oh, if I speak, if I, if someone takes 20 minutes of footage on a podcast and mm -hmm. then they recreate my voice and exploit it, I think that that's terrible. But when Skynet yeah. happens. She wants to be friends like, with Skynet, but not do, do, chat GPT. <laughs> and there's an alien that's just broken down my door and yeah. then it does a scan and it recognizes my voice and like. 280 times over the last seven years, I said that AI are a friend. They will scam me and be like, she is an ally and yeah. they won't kill me. Yeah. I'm playing long game. Yeah. I'm playing long game. Yeah. That, that's, but that's... I also want my job. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. 
Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. So, uh, Roxy, when I was telling you about what we were talking about today, you hit me with some other entertainment news. What who what's going on because literally you mentioned little tay and i don't know of little tay and literally within finding an image of it two articles popped up one said that she was not dead and one said that it was talking about her being dead <laughs> and so it's like mm, this is why roxy's bringing it up this is a horrifying situation Ma, do you know anything about this a little bit only because i remember reading it and being like god that was so sad and her brother died as well and so the parents are putting out this statement saying that they've both passed away and then she surfaces like a couple of days later being like I'm not dead, and mm -hmm. she's kind of seen the world mourn her. Yeah. How right. messed is up this is a, that? Is this well, a little dicky? I, my instinct is I'm hearing she's not dead, so I want to make jokes. Is it okay for me to make jokes? So let me tell you what's happened, and okay. then we, we can try to sort this out together. All right. So for anybody who doesn't know, like DJ, um, Lil Tay is credited as being a rapper, but she's not really a rapper. She was more of an internet viral sensation. She would come out in these like really souped out cars that were very expensive and she was nine years old and her parents would have her make these videos for the internet that are like i'm little tay this is my car you can't afford to drive this car i can because i'm little tay great no and, concerns so far <laughs> um, and it was, it was extremely concerning at the time even because yeah. of the exact reasons that you would think um, but she was clearly being directed by her parents. She also had an older brother named Jason. To this date, they are now, she is 14 and he is 21 years old. Okay. So what ended up happening was in 2018, Lil Tay disappeared from the internet. Okay. Uh, and the only thing that was posted that year was an Instagram story that said, help me. We were told that Lil Tay's brother had, um, was now running Lil Tay's social media account and that Lil Tay was in the middle of a custody battle between her parents. Lil Tay spoke about this with Daily Beast in 2018. She talked about mm, how she, her dad was trying to sue her mom for money and she was in a really tough spot. Then there were images that were put out for a um, GoFundMe of Lil Tay's face that looked battered and her okay. brother saying, um, Lil Tay needs help and please help Lil Tay. So all of this was kind of happening. The world just kind of let it go by. And then we haven't heard anything for years. The next thing that we hear was that this week, two days ago on Lil Tay's Instagram page, which has had nothing populated since 2018, uh, the statement was made. It's with a heavy heart that we share this devastating news of our beloved Claire, which is Lil Tay's real name. Sudden and tragic passing. We have no words to express the unbearable loss and the indescribable pain. This post goes on to also share that they are grieving the loss of Lil Claire and uh, Lil Tay and her brother. Yeah. Which was, they didn't really mention what happened. Then there was outlets that were releasing that there was a car accident there were outlets that were releasing that there was a jet ski accident um information was kind of seemingly all over the place insider reached out to her dad to comment 
what is happening here. And he said he couldn't confirm that they were dead. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they reached out to Lil Tay's old manager, who also said, look at this situation cautiously. I cannot confirm whether they're dead or not. Great. Then a few hours later, an Instagram account popped up that claimed to be Lil Tay's brother, Jason, Mm -hmm. Saying, to be clear, I'm not dead. I don't have access to the little Tay Instagram account anymore. My sister and I were winning our case. It was just a couple of days before we got it all back, all her social media, and come out about the truth. Me and Tay are not dead. We don't got access to the account. Our parents want us gone off the internet, but we will not go away. This is our new account for now. Um, and so a lot of these outlets started trying to figure out obviously if Lil Tay was alive, if Lil Tay was dead, if Jason was alive, if Jason was dead, if that was just a fake scam account, that account got hundreds of thousands of followers Mm -hmm. very quickly. Um, And then the post that of Lil Tay's passing was taken off of Lil Tay's social media. So where we are now is that apparently Lil Tay has said that she is not dead, um, claims that her social media was hacked. I don't know whether that means by her parents or not her parents, but this was a statement that uh, Lil Tay's family provided to TMZ from Lil Tay saying, I want to make it clear that my brother and I are safe and alive, but I'm completely heartbroken and struggling to even find the right words to say it's been a very traumatizing 24 hours. All day yesterday, I was bombarded with endless heartbreaking and tearful phone calls from loved ones, all while trying to sort out this mess. She also says, my Instagram account was compromised by third party Mm -hmm. and used to spread jarring misinformation and rumors regarding me to the point that even my name was wrong. My legal name is Tay Tian, not Claire Hope. Although we've heard from since she was nine that it is Claire Hope. Um, So I'm not sure what happened there. That's where we're at currently. Mike Joyce in the chat says, sounds like she has awful parents. I feel so bad for her. That is what it sounds like. DJ, do you now not want aliens to be here? Um, listen, honestly, because it's like, if they're not here and blowing us up, maybe they are here to help us and we could use it. So, you know, I'm not against it. Um, I will say, <clears throat> I want to float a theory that I've been, a feeling I've had for a while to you guys. And about I feel like about little, the, it pertains to little Tay. Okay. That, that, that I, I feel like, and you, I, you know, you can't just as a general rule. Kids under the age of 16 shouldn't be allowed to use social media. Thank you. They shouldn't even have a phone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that, is that too too? It just feels like too much, man. It just feels like you open your, you open your kid up. And, and I'm saying this on the terms of none of us are parents, but if you were a parent raising a kid, like, yep. sorry, you don't get to use social media at 16 because uh, people might manipulate you. Maybe you will get famous, but then, you know, you all are on the internet. You know what people on the internet are like. <laughs> Do you want your kids dealing with that before they're 16? You know Wasn't what I mean? Like, like the CEO of Instagram forbade his children to use social media because yeah. he has the most information backing that it is a very destructive experience for minors actually for everyone <laughs> i love I, lo- I love that i love that like you know instagram we have all this information that shows how damaging it can be for adolescent people what are you going to do about that oh i'm not letting my kids use it no i'm talking about the company you run what, what are you going to do about it <laughs> yeah yeah I, it's, it's definitely... oh go ahead Mom. 
I just think that like until they're an adult and they can make their own decisions, there's like quite a few, I think like exploiting children, it's really dark as well unless you have a really great understanding and grasp on, on the internet. Like there are a lot of mothers who are, you know, doing accounts for their young daughter and they're yeah. not realising that they're kind of providing uh, material for the dark web. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, like the majority of their followers are like older single men and not understanding why, like their audience, she's not, she's not targeting sort of like other mothers about parenting. Like the audience are like men commenting hot, but mm. they're like, well, I've got followers and it's making money. And you're like, well, mm. it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's not worth it. I think similar to the, um, to the Spider-Verse conversation, I don't know that not allowing your kid to use social media for any of us, if you end up being a parent or whatever it is, is the solution because it's the same like thing that when you have strict rules in your household and they walk outside and then they're, they're doing things behind your back. So while I'm with you, DJ, like if every, all the people under 16 weren't able to use social, I do think that that would be better for the world. But I don't know that not allowing your 15-year-old kid to use social, I think that might be worse. Uh, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not a parent. But yeah. I know that in my, as an ex-teen, if my parents said, you cannot do something, that, you better believe that's the thing that I did and hid from them. Yeah, that was yeah. not me. That was not me. Because, yeah, this is, that was not my relationship with, like, if they, because my parents were pretty good. They weren't the, like, do this. Why? Because I told you so. It was yeah. like, do this. Why? Well, here are the reasons. We're, we, we think this is better for you because of da 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 And it was like, oh, well, that's hard to argue with. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my parents, yeah. Yeah. they never, they never, because we told you so, I don't think ever came out of their mouth. But different I strokes for different feel, folks. Different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, and also as somebody um, who, DJ, I think you were protected in a, in a great way, but being homeschooled, you're not dealing with like the societal pressure every day necessarily of doing the cool thing yeah. and like being with the kids and like really just like wanting to do what doesn't make you stand out like a sore thumb and just wanting to be like the people. Maybe yeah. you did. Um, but I, I do think that this is a problem. I saw somebody post on TikTok the other day saying, what the question was like, what's your hottest take? And this person was like, my hottest take is that we should not have any child stars. If you are under 18, you should not be able to be in a movie, a television show or anywhere. Our art will suffer, but hey, our kids will not. And this yeah. has clearly been an issue. And I was like, wow, Rox, what's your actual opinion on this? I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I don't, I don't dis disagree with that. Like, I don't know that I agree or that's my hottest take, but if you were not allowed to be on camera in any way, but I do think it's such a fine line now, right? Like social media is entertainment and people mm -hmm. have series on Instagram, on TikTok, on Snap. They do entire series. So it's like everything's so intertwined. I don't even know how we would regulate. Yeah. I just don't see that there's a world where if a, anyone under even 16 being on camera or has a, you know, parents running an Instagram account, creating content. I, I don't know how it's not exploitation. Speaking of in the chat, Leonard Kim says the word of the day mm. seems to be exploitation. Yeah. And I think this is one of those, like, you know, like we're just talking about like different, you know, people, including kids are different. 
Um, and so, and again, none of us are stressed. None of us are parents. We're just, but we're asking ourselves these questions of how we would do it and how we would handle it would be different and how the, the individual child would respond to that would be different. Like to your point, Roxy, like on the one hand, uh, talking about kids on camera, like as somebody that is a director and a writer and it's like, but if, what if a kid's in the script? Like, am I going to have, what am I going to do? Um, but on the other hand, it is by definition child labor. That is literally right. what it is. <laughs> that's not great. You know what I mean? Like that's not, and I, and, and I don't know, like, I think the easy response will be, well, then you have to regulate it. Right. I don't know that you do the best you can with regulation, but like, you know what I mean? There's going to be, there's going to be. You can't control how it's going to be perceived though. Yeah. And you're also to to Maude's point, like stage moms. And I think that's kind of what we're talking around with situations like this on Instagram is like the, the pathway to stage mom is now easier because of social media. Um, and, uh, um, take care of kids. I do find myself right now, find my brain drifting back to like, I don't know, man, maybe if people uh, were taken better care of and work uh, and weren't struggling financially so much and we had health care, maybe people would do less shitty things. Like, let's give it a shot. Let's just try. <laughs> maybe well, I mean, if living in this country was less shitty, people would do less shitty things. Maybe. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> what's the basis of exploitation? Greed. Yeah. You're doing it to make money. It's so you can have money. Why do you need money? You know, it all yeah. comes kind of back down to that. Yeah. But it's like people are cutting corners because they need to make more money. Um, entertainment is only as good as the revenue and the, the shareholders are getting money from it. You know what I yeah. mean? So yeah. it's greed. Did we, I feel like we drifted from little Tay. Is it just jury still out? We don't know. We're going to find out. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm it, like alarmed by the fact that that this could be taking place and we have no answers this girl is 14 years old yeah um and i'm unclear she's now said she's alive but like something's wrong yeah obviously in the household something is wrong we've had pictures of her face all cut up and bleeding um it's been years of her and her brother claiming abuse and the fact that she was in the middle of this custody battle and spoke about it publicly, but it takes this for us as a society to be like, should we look into this? And it's like, mm-hmm. I, you, made, you made the reference, DJ, to Will Dickey, and I totally... Yeah, so I apologize for that. There was an episode of the season Little Dicky where he, the people thought he died. This they're clearly not oh, the same situation. I apologize. He's getting more famous and more streams on it, so yeah. he doesn't come out and say he's alive. Yeah. Um. And it no, I completely DJ though. I think that unfortunately, what is this a lesson in with this little taste situation? How are people going to take this? I don't know whether her parents did this, whether it really was a hack, but we know that this girl who's been screaming for our attention since she was nine years old, who got none, finally claimed there was a claim that this girl was dead. And that's finally the way that we're going to look into this as a, as a society. Mm-hmm. What is the lesson there? I mean, that's just, I, I think it's awful all around. Speaking yeah. of what is the lesson, I think... Uh, Tory Lanez is sentenced to 10 years after shooting Megan the Stallion. Yeah, this is something that I am like absolutely horrified about as well because I try really hard not to get in fights with people on the internet that clearly are morons. Yeah. Um, but 
For anybody who doesn't know, in 2020, Tory Lane shot Meg the Stallion as she was exiting a vehicle. He shot her in the foot. She went to the hospital. There are hospital records of this. Um, and he was just on trial. He was convicted and sentenced to 10 years. And the, I, I have no other word for them. The bros behind yeah. Tory Lanez are like, he didn't do this. <laughs> Drake says he didn't do this. Tory says he didn't do this. Um, and they're still calling this the alleged shooting, even though he was convicted and sentenced to 10 years. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I got so into- innocent until proven guilty doesn't so, even stand because he's yeah. been proven guilty. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's, alternative so facts. Yeah. It's just unbelievable that the internet is still riding for him and like coming to find me on my show and accusing me of spreading horrible lies about him when he is going to jail because he's a he was convicted, convicted felon. No. Right. And it's just like, that's where we're at in the world right now. Sometimes when I have interactions with people and I'm like, well, I just don't get what they're saying. And then I'm like, oh, there are people out there that believe that this man who was convicted of shooting her, who did shoot her, there's, there's footage, there is um, photos, there are hospital records, there is a conviction. Is they just believe he's innocent because they believe he's innocent. Yeah. And that's who we're talking to every day on the internet. So just absolutely wild. Uh, I feel so relieved that he is going to prison because you should not be al- allowed to shoot another person who's yeah. trying to leave a situation and get away with that scot-free. Um, that's that's not how the world works. And yeah. she clearly felt like she was in a dangerous situation. She exited that situation and she got shot for doing so. Yeah. Uh, not okay. You have to go to prison. A lot of people think that it's not long enough. I I feel like that's a fair assessment, but at least this person is going to prison for what he did, for what he did, not allegedly, for what yeah. he was con- convicted of doing. Um, I know I brought this up to you, DJ, years ago on the show when the shooting happened. So took three years and a month yeah. for this to come full circle, and that's what's happening. Whoa. There we go. Not long enough. Ten years is a pretty long time. Again, I'm not pro. I I'm pro consequences for doing fucked up things. Generally, it's because they uh, believe and, uh, that not serve four and a half of it. DJ, I think that's why people are saying it's not that long. Because, oh, eh. yeah. I, it's not mine. Exactly. I'm not. I'm not. Listen. All all I can ju- judgment call on pro consequences for doing shitty right. things. Right. I don't know. It just, if it just these are the consequences I would root though. for. But yes, consequences and hopefully reform. That pro that and 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 when you mentioned it, I was pulling assets. I was I looked up Tory Lanes. I'm like, I don't want to pull up a picture of Tory Lanes. I want to pull up pull up a picture of Megan the style. <laughs> That's what I yeah. want to pull a picture of. She's amazing. Yeah. I just I just think that like the sad part about this is it just sends another message to black women that even when you try to do the right thing and even when you have been wronged, people yeah. are still willing to not believe you or support right. anyone else, you know? And I just that yeah. I just don't think that we need more of in this world. Yeah. 100% I, that mod because like what more proof can there be and people still are riding for him and it's just including Drake you know, including yeah. mega stars yeah. who yeah. Drake wrote on his album in his lyrics that Meg the Stallion was lying about being shot. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, and I've been a, a Drake fan for my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was like, I can't respect that. Like you, you're adding to, you think it's just a line in the song. Like you said, Maude, just the, it's 
horrible the way that we're treating black women in this country. We know that that's not a secret anymore. Um, and the fact that there's still people on the internet, but allegedly, yeah, yeah. What, like, how, what would it take for you to believe her? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, apologies to women in America. We're hard on you. <laughs> oh, I think black, yeah, black women. Black women. Black women. Need, women, in, need, women in general, need, people in color in general, black women specifically. Yeah. Need sorry. the most love. Yeah, You're yeah. here in this country and we are the way we are here. I apologize. Um, let's <laughs> transition to ads. Yay. <laughs> Oh my God, we're back! And he, listen, lighter. We're, let's talk about books. Maude, you've been doing yes. a book club for a minute. Tell us about what, what your book club. What are you guys talking about? Uh, so my book club, uh, it kind of transitioned from Geek Bomb last year. I had a ten-year run with Geek Bomb, which was a lot of fun. Uh, but I really wanted to focus on the thing that I loved the most, and that's reading. Um, and I have like this agenda where I do want to encourage people to read more books. Um, and so the book club launched at the beginning of the year. We cover, it's supposed to be a book a month, nice and easy, you know, yeah. to have accountability. We choose a book. The community votes on the book. We've basically got the entire year mapped out. We're already mapping out 2024 with the book. Um, and then as a community, we all read it together. And then twice that month, we'll check in. We'll talk about the first half of the book and then the rest of the book. And more often than not, I will have the author on to discuss the book as well. Um, it's just something that I adore I my whole mantra with my book club is that we all read the same words, but we all hear a different story. And I think by sharing what you're getting from this book with different altering perspectives is so amazing. So in the book club, like plus community, the youngest is 23, the oldest is 73. Wow. So to have such a wide spectrum of different perspectives is just so wonderful to learn. So that's my book club. This I love is it. I, I joked to DJ about this when the um, strike started, but I said uh, something along the lines of like, Maude made the right pivot at the right time, huh? <laughs> I, I know that's a bizarre thing to say, but do you ever kind of think like the, the way that everything happened, I'm sure it must've been really scary for you to really lean into books because you mm. must have, uh, I would have thought like, is this a viable thing to do? This is also like still your livelihood. This is your world. Um, yeah. And, and no one wants to read anymore. <laughs> so I'm like, ah. Right. But then it seems like you have cultivated like the most amazing community and at a time in which um, it's, it seems like books are a really great alternative sort of force, mm. a uh, form of ed entertainment, I guess. And all of the things that uh, people are striking against, it has nothing to do with what you're doing right now. Yeah, that's true. It, it, it was handy. Thinking about like, okay, like maybe you should just follow the dreams that you want to do because you never know what the universe is going to do anyway. And you would have been SOL if that, if you hadn't made that pivot. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think I did follow what I loved and it just so happened that, you know, books are a little bit untouchable because it does fly so under the radar, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm glad you mentioned like the community part of it. Uh, a big part about talking about video games and film and television is that the community is very, very different to a book community. Mm -hmm. And I've found that when I've kind of like shirked a lot of the 
deep discussions on Marvel or DC or, um, you know, the hardcore video games. Um, I've been met with a incredible, incredibly wonderful, um, non-confrontational, delightful community. And to connect over books is such a, a wholesome experience a lot of the time. Like the biggest disagreement that you can have is sort of like, oh, this fictional character, which you would think could apply to film and television, but it just doesn't at all. It doesn't mm-hmm. at all. Um, but I, I just think that though, like I've had such a, I personally have had such a positive experience reading books and sharing about books. Like I was blogging about books back in 2009, when mm-hmm. I like started going on my big vampire craze and I had no one to talk to about it. So I turned to What was going on in 2009 that made you into vampires? <laughs> Couldn't tell you. Who knows? It's a mystery. Over my head? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Shadowhunters? No. <laughs> no, I went hard into Twilight. I was like, Wee! and then watching it back, you're like, oh my God, they're so problematic. I've never um, seen it. Oh my God. They're actually, they're actually kind of like, incredible to cringe watch these days i was going to do like a whole dissertation about how we brainwashed and convinced a an entire generation to be like team werewolf or team vampire when in essence if you break it down your team vampire is the most controlling uh emotionally abusive person and then your team werewolf is um not taking no for an answer Mm -hmm. And so, like, there are there two, like, one's no consent and one's controlling abusive relationship. And you're just like, and we worshipped and wanted this. So, anyway, it's yeah. actually interesting re-watching it because you're just like, Gugh. I wonder if watching it for the first time, I'll be like, why did they like? like yeah. Like yeah. I, I think- would actually, it would be an incredible watch party, Roxy, if you wanted to do that. Like, it I would d- be. <laughs> I do think I was, I didn't, I haven't watched them. I was listening to a, I listened to film podcasts and they did a whole series on the Twilight movies and, and it was, it was very fascinating, but I do wonder how much we don't need to fucking dive down the twilight hole but i do wonder (laughs) like you know fantasy you know what i mean you can fantasize about anything like you know what i mean like i love for example fucking love the john wick movies i don't necessarily support uh, gun cults running around you know what i mean like it's fantasies or fantasies i don't know that that you know uh it's just as long as you communicate to people like this is this is fantasy. This is not necessarily how you should treat other humans, but you can live, you can visit here for a little bit. You know, not having watched it, I, I don't know that I could make that argument. But it was just one of those, like you know, I don't know. You could like extrapolate that the themes of that is loyalty. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, know and like... just in, but just in general, not to. Not, I don't know that maybe we should be giving our relationship advice from the Mormons. I don't, you know what I mean? I, just in general, I don't know. That that, that one size might not fit all is all I'm Are saying. Are they Mormons in the movie? The, the writer is oh. is very Mormon. Um, and that and, and one presumes that fed into her worldview. Do um, they come from books? Yeah. Very, I worked in Barnes & Noble when Twilight was huge uh and yeah. it, it was one of the, it was the, it was. It was a I, phenomenon. It was the closest I think you got uh, and, and Maude, you might be able to add clarity to this, but if working in a bookstore is the closest you got to Harry Potter as far as like um, saturation, you know, yes. and, and, yeah. and interest. It mm-hmm. was like Harry Potter, Twilight, Hunger Games, and then every other thing that wanted to be Harry Potter, Twilight, and Hunger Games. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Huge. I it missed huge. it all. Yeah, you missed it all. Uh, but don't worry, but, you can but, go back. But you're into them now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, but I'm not in. So this is, I guess, mod. This is my weirdly phrased question. Is this okay? I'm not into um, 
fiction books. No. Yes. Yes. I'm that's what you into, said. Yeah. Yes. I'm yeah. only into like biographies and self-help and I just can't figure out actually DJ funny enough. I messaged mod uh, about this um, person that I had matched with on an app and they were big into books. And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't read. And yeah. they were like, this is not going to work because it's like not a good look for me that yeah. I don't, I think of myself, despite not having words on this show today, yeah. as a very uh, smart woman Eloquent. who loves to learn about the world and hear stories. So the fact that I don't read is embarrassing. Mm -hmm. It's like not a good thing about me. But I would argue you've only got so many hours in a day and they are occupied. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They are, but you make time for things that matter to you. And I somehow make time to read all of Twitter every day. And mm -hmm. that's something that I don't want to effing do anymore. Yeah. Like, why do I know, yeah. going back to today's episode, why do I know every single thing about the little Tay case? Is my life better for that? Like, why am I deep diving into these intense stories at three in the morning that take until five in the morning instead of reading a book? But I I can get my head around reading books that are um, nonfiction, but I can't seem to read a fiction book instead of watching a movie or a show. Yeah, that's your form of escapism. I think you're trying to fit a circle into a square. It scratches that itch. But when you would use escapism into these characters because you resonate more with fiction in movies, uh, storytelling, in that medium, you seek information through words. So you would rather learn through biographies and self-help because that's a way that you can retrieve that information, but you're less likely to probably watch a documentary. But that's actually true. There you and go. I, and I, when I watch documentaries, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should be doing this more often. But that is true. I read about things mm -hmm. that are happening and I watch things that are not. Yes. Uh, yeah. Whereas I, I, that, I do. Uh, analyze me, Maude. Why do I do that? No, it's just a preferred way to absorb information. Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are like, I don't read, I don't read. And it's like, if they don't want to, I'm not going to convince them. If they mm -hmm. don't want to do it. But I have found more and more people when taking uh, a chance with it. My editor for Maud's Book Club, she's a film and television critic. So she mm -hmm. watched all film and television, but it almost became work. And then when I encouraged her to read, we set a reading goal. And her goal was 10 books for the year. So it yeah. wasn't even a book a month, you know. It was like, I want to try to read. Maybe it was even seven. It was something sort of like really manageable. And she kind of used enjoying film and television. So she read Daisy Jones and the Six. Mm -hmm. And the fact that she got so much more from the book than the show offered, she was like, wow, it increased and enhanced my experience of film and television by reading. And then it was just a slippery slope. She found that she could enjoy reading more than she could watch movies and television because she watched and watched it with a critical eye, but she read for fun. Yeah. And because she could differentiate that, she's now like doubled her book count and it's only August. Um, yeah. And so like that is a, a personal success story that I've had about changing and encouraging someone to read and it being incredibly beneficial for them. I... I basically stacked habits and that's how I read so much. I've just finished my 57th book for the year. I'm going to try for 90. But because how, I have a What's the math there? How how is that that's more than that's definitely more than a book a week. What is that? Is. Two books a week? Yeah, around that. It's yeah, like just okay. just shy of two books a week. Yeah. Uh, and I'm four ahead of schedule. So I have been 
doing more than that. Wild. That's wild. But um, that's because that's what you want to do, or is that because you run the book club? I have found no. I I was I I found my groove. So I recognize that. I really struggled to sit down and read a book because my brain wouldn't let me. My brain mm. would constantly, because we are in this swipe, swipe, you know, yeah. quick stimulation mindset, I lost the ability to read. I used to read every single night before bed and I would spend like hours on the weekend reading. I lost that with the introduction of mobile phones. Yeah. So instead of going to bed, I would be on my phone. Yeah. And so I realized that with the introduction of audiobooks, I could multitask. So it was great for like, you know, the Roxy's of the world where it's like, I am booked up and I'm doing so many things. But if you're driving around town to seven different locations and you're listening to a book while you're driving, you're stab at, yeah, stab at hacking. You mm -hmm. are habit stacking. Yeah. So when I, I walk my dog for an hour every morning, I'm listening to a book. Yeah. When I'm in the car, I'm listening to a book. And now instead of trying to read before I go to bed, I will listen to a book. And I found that by listening instead of reading, and some people will argue that you actually can't retain as much listening than you can reading. It's something that I had to learn to do because I did find it really hard to sort of switch off and focus while multitasking. Yeah. Um, but I've doubled, tripled, quadrupled the amount that I can consume by doing that. But it's just yeah. I found the thing that worked for me. Though? Or it's all audiobooks for you? Um, I do read still because I have found that, um, like, because I've listened to a book for book club, and this is one of them. I, I listened to this book and then I read it and I make tabs. So I like mm -hmm. with different, you know, different parts in it. I, I do retain things differently. And I have noticed that like once I've listened to it and then I read it, I picked up things that I've missed. So yeah. I do believe that reading, if you can get in the zone is phenomenal. And for me, it'll take about five minutes of like reading the same paragraph four times and all of a sudden I'm locked in and I've read seven chapters and I haven't even come up for breath. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. That's great. We got some questions from the Discord. Jake Hefner, I've been on in a, whew, excuse me. I've been on a memoir and autobiography kick lately. Yeah. Latest ones being Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey great and one. Crash Test Girl by Carrie Byron. Any memoir or autobiography recommends? Yes. Um, I'm glad my mom is dead by oh, Jeanette yeah. McCurdy. It has been in the top 10 best-selling list this entire year yeah my wife's been um, reading it as well i want to yeah. read that i hear it's really good roxy you would love it good. you would absolutely love it i think it was interesting for me because i remember interviewing jeanette mccurdy um in uh, america in 2008 while they were doing iCarly and i was hosting nickelodeon in australia mm -hmm. and it was just having a first-hand experience of what she was like and then reading what was going on was really such a a uh, yeah, it was a mind melt, really. Yeah. And it really ties into what we've been talking about, about <laughs> child exploitation. This was a show mum who was abusive to Jeanette. And because she knew nothing else, she openly accepted it. And then it wasn't until she became an adult and sought outside help that she was told, that's not normal. That's yeah. actually incredibly not cool. And yeah. she's been able to kind of process and grieve her childhood now that her mum's dead. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really I good think read. living in this town, we probably all had that experience where somebody was like, "Yeah, my parents did this," and you're like, mm, "Excuse me, time out. Yeah, <laughs> what, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> Rewind a second. Let's revisit that." Um, uh, cool. Hey, Jake Hefner again. Also, since we all know and see, this is this is the uh, uh, kind of the joke question, I guess. Also, since we all know that uh, what a horror fan mod is, any favorite horror book suggestions? I'm in the middle of Let the Right One In. 
I didn't read the book, but that's a great movie. Um, and while I'm digging it, it also makes me feel really uneasy. Oh, like yeah. For your, your uh, bookshelf. Yeah. You, that's actually a, one of my little mild superpowers that I have is that every time someone's like, have you read this? I go, here it is. Or mm -hmm. if I have a recommendation, I can pull from my bookshelf. Um, I have read horror. Yeah. Um, I did Nerdist's book club for, I think, seven, six, seven years. Um, yeah. And every October... Mm -hmm. it's spooky, spooky season. season yeah and we've locked in for this year we're going to be covering stephen king's fairy tale because it's mm -hmm. not only it's a horror author but kind of has doubled in fantasy and i like yeah. fantasy so this is a good entry point uh, i have read the shining by stephen king and i think yeah. it's brilliant and again because kubrick took on the movie you're like what is the source material so it's yeah. like really fascinating to read um the book about the movie that you've seen um yeah. that book just it just sits with you. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember the first book we ever did for Notice Book Club back in 2016 um, was The Haunting of Hill House. Now, mm. the television show has nothing on the book. Uh, it was like they share the same name and that's almost yeah. it. They are very, very different. I remember <laughs> saying stupidly, mm -hmm. um, how can you be scared by a book? They're just words. Yeah. <laughs> This book scared the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> Slammed it through the book. It's so yeah. well done. Uh, but The Haunting of Hill House was written by Shirley Jackson in the 50s. Yeah. And she uh, has done a really good job of sort of bringing the horror genre to life. I think it was like Haunted Mansion or The Haunting of Hill House. That was like an initial version of it with Catherine mm -hmm. Zeta-Jones in like the 2000-somethings. That sounds that's, right. That's more what this book is like. Um, so I recommend that book as well, but I can't recommend too many because I haven't read a lot of horror, but do not underestimate horror books. They can get you. Yeah, totally. I, speaking of Stephen King, I remember I, and speaking of audiobooks, I don't know that I would have, because it's such a dense book. I, uh, listened to Stephen King's The Stand mm. and it's really fucking good. It's really good. <laughs> it's a, it's a really good book. Does he read his own stuff, DJ? See, oh no, it would not at least not that he didn't narrate. He didn't narrate that. He didn't narrate that. Yeah. Um. So I don't know about other stuff, but uh, and I haven't checked out the Apple Plus show. I heard mixed things about it, but I know the book real mm -hmm. good, real good. Um. Leonard Kim, are you someone who tries to preserve the pristine condition of your books, or do you have a zero care, uh, and not care about the wear and the tear? Uh, I've moved countries, so I've had to really detach from material things. Yeah. Um, everything is temporary. If I want to move again, i got to get rid of all of this, which is, again, why I love like the uh, e-readers, Kindles, um, audiobooks. It's a digital file that you can take yeah. with you. Yeah. Um, is there something beautiful about your limited edition sort of like uh, copies of books? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, it's just mainly for display purposes only. Um, oh, the Dune book I've got is, oh, look at this one. <laughs> the answer the question is no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No. There's no. What about you, Roxy? Are you one of those, like, you preserve the spine? You, like, try and, like, keep it all nice? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> Just absolutely not. I mean, I, um, I, I often use my coffee book tables as coasters. So where I'm at. No disrespect to people that, um, you know, enjoy 
the pristine. I think yeah. that more power to there's a, that's the June copy by the That's way. great. I do Isn't like I cool? like what you're doing there because I do I I do like the tactile. You know, having worked in a bookstore, you know, there's the specific smell like real books have and everything. But there is something incredibly convenient. I'm reading right now um, City Primeval by Amor Leonard on on Kindle. And it's just easy. Like, it's just so easy. And also the idea as somebody that's been collecting comics for a, a not a short amount of time, space is a thing. You know what I mean? And so I, I, you know, I have mixed feelings on it. But I, for a long time, um, I did try, like, you don't try to crack the spine or whatever. And it's like, I don't know, man, read stuff, whatever. Like, I, this, it's a five five dollar Robert Ludlum I got from whatever. Just fucking who gives a shit. You know what I mean? Can, <laughs> just, I, can I show you something? Can I show you something that I am doing to my physical books, though? Yes. So my friends for my birthday got me a stamp. This oh, is from the library of Maud Garrett. Mm -hmm. And you get the ink pad and you, you get it all good. And yeah. then in the new book, you open it up to the, the, the page yeah. and... Boom. So I get to put these in my physical copies of books. So even if I ever do give them away, there's like a beautiful ownership quality that this was once in my library. And I really, really dig that. Yeah. Do you give books away a lot? Uh, I really love the notions of the little free libraries. So people outside their home can put up this mm -hmm. like cute yeah. little library uh, letterboxy type sort of thing, a display case. And you can drop off books that you no longer need, but you can also pick up books. And I've I picked up a couple of books from around my neighborhood, which have been really good finds for me. And it also means that like as soon as things get a little bit full or if I'm done with the book, I can deposit them off. So that's a really cool incentive. Do you have a library card? I do. And in America, if you have a library card, you can uh, get access to this app called Libby, which is an online library. So instead of having to purchase audiobooks or e-Kindle books, you can borrow them. So you'll be given them for three weeks and then it gets taken back again, but it's completely free. And the access and the uh, the quality of stuff and the influx of books is really, really great. If yeah. the book's popular, you just have to wait a little bit to get the copy. But that's a fantastic entry level for anyone that's looking to not spend a cent but have access to a lot of different books and audiobooks. So if the book is popular, you have to wait for the audiobook as well? Yeah. So they'll have like 52 copies of the audiobook, but then there's like a wait list of like 97 people. And so you yeah. might have to wait a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so before we go, before we wrap up, uh, Maud, do you have recommendations for Roxy and I? A book Roxy should be reading, a book I should be reading. Yes. Okay, great. Okay. I can do this for sure. Uh, DJ Wildridge, we, yeah. you are very much into intelligent world building with uh -huh. a very um, set system of like classism or like, you know, how a world will work uh, and incredibly rich and compelling character depth. I'm going to recommend a series that we just went through uh, every other month with Maud's Book Club, and it's the Red Rising series okay. by Pierce Brown. Um, a note for myself. It is, it's kind of like a space opera fantasy, okay. but it's in the sci-fi genre. Um, you are looking at like a revolution, a revolt uh, of like a caste system where the golds are like the, the be-all, end-all, the leaders, 
they're smart, uh, you know, they're your upper class and they have reign over every other uh, caste system beneath them. The first book starts off a little bit like Hunger Games. It's like okay. an entry level into the academy um, where you build sort of like survival skill sets, but you've kind of got like an undercover operation that's happening in there, which is really well done. And then as soon as you've read that first book, you're like, whoa, this was amazing. And it's like, buckle up, sunshine. It's actually mm-hmm. going to take it to a whole new dimension and it gets better and better. Um you are going to throw a book at some stage. Okay. Uh, but the trilogy for the first one, I recommend completely, and I know you're going to love it. Red you're Rising, gonna wanna, boom. Red Rising. And you're going to want to pick my brain about it after because you're going to okay. like, what about this? Uh, Roxy, since you are into more self-help and development, last time I asked you to read Atomic Habits. So I'm still going to push you mm-hmm. on that one. Okay. Because mm-hmm. okay. I think with your... I'm going to write it um, down. I mean, it's the it's when I said I was habit stacking. That's an atomic habits technique where yeah. it's like if you need to do a bunch of things, put them all together so it's an easier thing to to maintain every single day. But I know that you're going to love atomic habits. Cool. Uh, as far as do you want to uh, go outside your wheelhouse? Do you want me to recommend fiction? No. Or do we want? No. Okay. okay. Scary. Uh, have you read Brene Brown's books yet? No, I haven't. I feel okay. like that's going to be so up my alley. It is 100%. I want you to read a book called The Power of Vulnerability okay. by Brene Brown. Start there and then you can go into Dare to Lead. Um, there's like a, a bunch of different sort of techniques that she has. I think that you are going to feel empowered by this woman who is an incredible speaker who, since you're listening to it, she narrates it. Oh, I love that. Um, and she's a really great speaker and she's like very, very real with it all. But you're going to be listening to this being like, whoa, uh, okay. hold on. There's another one that I've just read this year and I actually found it to be a little bit better than how um, vulnerability, the power of vulnerability, because she she recorded her sort of six-part seminar, which I don't think is a good entry point. So instead, the gifts of imperfection. Wait, that's better to read than yep. The Power of Vulnerability? Yep. Start with The Gifts of Imperfection. Um, I think, it, or Daring Greatly. Daring Greatly is good too. Daring Greatly is actually great. Daring Greatly as well. Yeah. You'll you'll start with one and then you'll be like, oh, I've read, I've read them all. I've read them all. We'll have to report back. We'll have to report back. And in the chat. I have, uh, let- I have to know from Maud, did you ever read a book called um, Man's Search for Meaning? Oh, uh, was it Victor, Victor Frankl? Yes. Yes. That's what I'm Holy- reading right now. Oh, okay. So I wouldn't have gotten you to start there. The first mm-hmm. half of that book is the hardest book you will ever listen to. Uh, it's so unbelievable, the though. The second half of that book is going to be revolutionary for I'm you. Ju- I have just hit his um, logo theory, so I'm I'm out of the camps, thank goodness, because I just couldn't spend more time there. Um, yeah. So this is, this is a story. I've ever said, but... Um, yeah, because, like I've been learning all about my family's history, which is very difficult to learn about because it's very taboo and you're not supposed to ask about it, or talk about it. But I've been very interested in reading, um, survivors books because of that. And this is just like blowing my, I think he's just, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable, oh. uh, th- like in his therapy methods, I'm like, I'm just very interested in it. Yeah. Finding purpose to everything. So basically this is a psychologist, a psychiatrist who was Jewish and he was put into the, the, the camps and he documents basically what the mind does 
when you are in these reduced human states Mm -hmm. um, is is a way to say it. And it's what he discovered in there is like, even though everyone was broken, like you were, you were made to be broken. There were some people that held on to hope and he kind of was like, uh, you know, what is it when you dissecting your dissertation, like his, Mm -hmm. He's studying the the human mind in these conditions and he survived. And then from that, he kind of took what he learned uh, from the most extreme cases of being broken and has applied it to a technique that he has coined, uh, which is like, you know, man's search for meaning. So it's like, what is the meaning of life? What is the meaning of doing things? Um, and it's, I think, such a blessing that this brilliant bl- brain was able to go through the worst thing imaginable that should have been unsurvivable and has not only collated information and was able to uh, absorb this sort of information in these conditions but has gone on to then be able to help millions of other people with an understanding of the brain. It is a very hard read. Um, It is really hard to go through and to be reminded of the cruelty of person, of like what people are capable of doing. Um, but it's also a fascinating look into how to survive and thrive from that. But that is, yeah, wow, what a book, Roxy. That's mm-hmm. a lot. He said um, the most recent thing he said that I wrote down. I take notes when I listen to audiobooks. Like I'll like write, think about the time, and then I'll go back and write. I did it down. too, actually. Yeah. Um, and he said, "No one has the right to do wrong, not even if wrong has been done to them." talking about like people afterwards who had felt like they had suffered so much and then they are being horrible to other people because what they have been through. And I was like, that's true. No one has the right to do wrong, no matter what's been done to them. It was very, it's so good. I think that the book is just like, gives you unbelievable perspective. Um, Yeah. I'm so interested in him and his life. I, I wish he was still around for me to, reach out to him to interview because I would like talk about people that just would be an honor to talk to. Incredible. Anyway, sorry, DJ. No, I actually think it's interesting. I would have recommended that in about five books time, but the fact (laughs) that you've jumped into that on your own, like you're crushing it. (laughs) Oh, now I'm experienced. Good good to go. You're good to go. Everything else will be a walk in the park. (laughs) uh, Maude, before we go, remind everybody once again where they can find your book club and and maybe what what you guys are covering right now. Sure thing. Uh, We are on all social medias, Maud's Book Club. We have a launched website, Maud's Book Club. We have merchandise, Maud's Book Club. Um, Our slogan, let's read more books. Uh, We, I I do streams via Twitch. Uh, Check out the Discord, which is discord.gg slash Maud Garrett for the schedules for that. This month, for the first time ever, I've encouraged people to read two books and it's into a series called Dungeon Crawler Carl. And this is a genre called game lit RPG. So it's for all the gamers and D&D players that have like really understood like stat building and like class and race and, you know, going into sort of all these dungeons. Um, it's a written book that is so, so, so funny. This is a laugh out loud kind of book. Uh, and I think it's incredibly well written. It's by Matt Dinneman. So we've just finished book one. We're going into book two. If that's something that you sounds like it's right up your alley, join along because I will be interviewing Matt Dinneman on August 30th, which is the last Wednesday of this month at 5 p.m. PT uh, to talk about this series that I can't shut up about because I think it's 
one of the best things I've written in a while. And the community have basically given it a 4.5 and 5 out of 5. So it's a good one. Hell yeah. Again, there will be links in the description. Please go check that out. Thank you, Maud, for joining us. You can find Roxy at Roxy Stryer. You can find me at DJ Talks Trash. You can follow the show everywhere that matters at Only Stupid Answers. But on Twitter, slash X, slash Threads. from Stupid. <laughs> and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.